Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. How did you get involved in the comic book business? Somebody gave me money. <laughs> I mean, were, did, were you an artist before any of this happened? I, I really actually was interested in science, and uh, and uh, I as, knew I could As we'll college. find out tonight, my friend. As we'll Which find I, out tonight. Right. I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't afford to go to college. I was poor. Uh, you know, there was people were poor in the fifties. Some people were still up poor, and we, we were oh, poor. Yeah. We were poor all the time, but we were poor enough of the time that there was no chance for me to go on, on to college. My dad had left, and my mother had had a third grade education. So really, she really isn't didn't have the weaponry to uh, to deal with it. So I studied science uh, very, very much, but I also had certain skills, and I thought, hmm, maybe if somebody pays me money to draw pictures, uh, I can do that the rest of my life, and that's pretty much the way it worked out. You started working on the original Archie comic series, didn't you? Well, that's that's how I got. After I after I missed doing just about everything, I got to work on Archie. They paid me money, and uh, you know, God bless them. They gave me money. That's the, that's the whole deal, and that was a way to start. But I went on to do an awful lot of things. I've done a lot more than even you get listed in, the, in those credits. I mean, I've, I've done uh, uh, amusement park ride designs. I designed the Terminator T two three D ride. Uh, for for Cameron and and for Universal Park, I design stage sets. I do an awful lot of things. I add technology to things uh, that are as, as simple as comic books, but 3D comic books, let's say. So because I'm so technologically minded, although not a techie, uh, I can add things that other people can't do, and that sort of makes my skills wanted and needed, and and uh, they pay for it. That's that's. That's what it's all about. Neil, what was the demographics of comic book readers in those days? I mean, I, I was a kid, so I was a reader, but I was in my 12, my teens. But well, when, uh, they, when, they took, when they took those surveys, they said basically that the, that the median range of comic book readers was 19 to 20, 22 years old, which was a big shock to the whole industry. Nowadays, it's not that at all. Very few kids read comic books in a relative sense because... Uh, Congress in 1932, 1953, 32, 53, attacked comic books. It was right after the Army McCarthy hearings, and the Army McCarthy hearings uh, were broadcast on television, and they needed something else to go next, and so they attacked comic books. A guy wrote a book called The Seduction of the Innocent, which he implied that comic books um, made juvenile delinquents. Uh, sort of like rock and roll, sort of like computer games. You know how it is. Yep. So yep. and so, uh, the Congress. But unfortunately, because of the Army McCarthy hearings, they were used to watching this stuff on TV. So all of America got to see how terrible comic books were for their kids, and everybody just crashed down on comic books. So when I came into the comic book industry, it was like, no, nah, forget it. We're going to be gone in a year. Jeez. So yeah. it's been a it's been a long hard fight, uh, and guess what? We now own the world. <laughs> I mean, we have all the best movies. We have all the best That's computer right. games. We all have all the best everything. And uh, comic books are, you know, what it's all about. I mean, if you're going to make a movie for over $200 million, guess what it's going to be? It's going to be a comic book movie that's that was tested in uh, what we call floppies, you know, comic books. Mm-hmm. So and, right. and are you going to test a, a movie on somebody's script? <laughs> no way. Script, Not that kind of money. No, you're going you're gonna to see something that's been tested and bed, been read by a couple of hundred thousand people, and you're going to make that. So comic books have become a, test, a testing forum for uh, new ideas.
If I remember, weren't they like 15 cents a piece or something like that? They were 10 cents a piece when you were were really, really young. Then they went to 15. Now they're like, you know, uh, 3.99 and 4.99. And then they have graphic novels. They have all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just, it's blossomed. It's really, really incredible. And this is not just America. This is the world. It used to be that uh, all the uh, comic books were done by Jewish kids in the Lower East Side. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah, yeah. we have artists from all around the world, some names you can't even pronounce as an American, because you've got artists from Czechoslovakia and South America and all kinds. Of, we basically have gathered in. Remember, the illustration field is gone. I mean, the, illustri- the illustration field that you knew when you were younger and you had movie posters painted by illustra- top mm-hmm. illustrators, now it's photographs. All movie posters are photographs. Yeah. You didn't have, you don't have Saturday Evening Post where you had Norman Rockwell painting the covers. That's gone. You don't have magazines hardly anymore. So where do the illustrators go? Comic books. Oh, so that's the best right. illustrators in the world are doing comic books. I just saw a little uh, drama movie on the life of Walt Disney. And, uh, you know, it showed about how he started doing Oswald the Rabbit for a client. And then, right. and then he did uh, Mickey Mouse, and he was going to call the mouse Mortimer. Oh. And I think his staff said, no, let's have something a little more fun. And they started playing around with names, and Mickey Mouse popped up, and they loved that. And look what happened to his career. Yeah. Well, it takes an individual. Sometimes it takes a group. I mean, we had some of the best creative peoples in the people in the world, and we even now have even the best creative people in the world. The people who do comic books also do storyboards for films. The uh-huh. writers who okay. do comic books also write films. I mean, there, there's a crossover. Nobody would when I when I was younger. Nobody in an advertising agency would ever hire a comic book artist to draw a storyboard because that's. That, that, they thought they were, not, right. you know, just funny ha-ha people, right. right? Nobody in film or television would ever hire a comic book writer to write to write TV or movies. Now there's a crossover that practically uh, makes comic books equal, equal. And if they don't, they're making a mistake because the next company will hire those guys and do great on it. They'll get the new computer game. And those computer games make more money than movies. They sure do. When you did the illustrations, Neil, did you also write the, um, the inscriptions in the comics? Sometimes, sometimes, you know, you have sometimes. It's sort of like if you're a filmmaker, okay? Uh, maybe you, uh, as a filmmaker you want to write the movie yourself, or maybe you think you got a great script from somebody else and you go ahead and take that script. So you're given a tremendous amount of flexibility. It really is the greatest time for artists and writers in the world that's ever existed. I mean, artists, back in the day, artists would do, like, illustrated, uh, say you'd have a, a, um, a book. It would be, illustrated, they say, illustrated, and then it'd be one picture and maybe another picture later on. Now, the whole book is illustrated. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, the story is told. Then, if somebody wants to make a TV show or a movie, they have that to go by and say, it's, oh, that's like a storyboard. If you've done the whole storyboard. Maybe I want to follow it. Maybe I want to make it different. Whatever, but at least somebody has done something that everybody approves of, and then they can go ahead and make the finished product that might be a film or television. So there's a tremendous amount of cross-pollination between comic books and film and television and computer games, and those are the biggest areas in the world. And we're not just doing stuff in America. I mean, there's Indians in India making Indian comic books. they got 112 gods to, do, to turn into comic book characters. 
you got uh, manga in Japan. You have uh, comic books in in China. You have even now the Russians are having comic book conventions where they're inviting artists to come over and look at go to their comic book conventions and buying their comic books. South America, big big comic book fans. It's uh, it's worldwide. It's very 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 big. My mother, I'm, I'm like a hero. You know, it's like oh I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, You're I like started, a god. I started doing Archie comics, and now I'm a hero. What were all my old Superman comics worth that mom threw away? They oh were, my! They, God. they were in a box from the fifties. There are no, there. Are, I mean, you know, the numbers are really. Well, I'll, t- I'll give you an example. I reintroduced the Joker uh, back into the Batman series of comic books. He had been missing for say well, four years. Okay, so Denny O'Neill, the writer, and myself, we have reintroduced the Joker into the Batman detective comic book. Uh huh. And uh, I did the first cover, and the first cover had the Joker holding a playing card, and on the playing card was tied uh, Batman, and he was held out to the audience, and the Joker was in the background laughing, ha, 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 ha. That cover just sold at Heritage. The original drawing that I did of that cover just sold at Heritage, which is an auction house, for $600,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.